0: Happy New Year! Happy 2018. Um, we're excited about uh, this year. We're excited to gather. Obviously, uh, for those that came to church last week, you noticed that we weren't here. Um, it's the one Sunday we we don't gather as a as a large uh, gathering together. Uh, but we're excited to be back uh, here together. Uh, looking forward to 2018. What the Lord has in store, as Colton uh, just mentioned. Uh, Chase the Lion is the series that we kicked off this year with, looking at uh, you know what dreams does God have for us individually, what dreams does He have for us corporately, and then uh, also what are the fears and things that we need, the obstacles that we need to overcome, to pursue those things. Um, in Second Samuel twenty-three, if you remember, if you're with us, there's a story about just a couple, a sentence about a guy named Benai who chased a lion into a snowy pit and killed it. Uh, And that's kind of where the theme of Chase the line comes from, looking our fears in the face and instead of running away from them, uh, being willing to chase them, to chase our fears, to chase our dreams, uh, and to to dare to dream about what God uh, might have for us, uh, as as I said, as individuals and also as a uh, larger community. Uh, We believe that you are one decision away from a completely different life. That choices have a ripple effect, that the, the choices that we make in our day-to-day lives have a huge uh, ripple effect and, uh, and a multiplying effect on not only our lives and our futures, but also those, those around us. And as we come to 2018 and we think about New Year's, often New Year's is a time where we look back and we look forward both at the same time. We ask questions about, you know, are we where, you know, am I where I thought I would be at this stage in my life? You know, it's it's a moment of reflection when the calendar turns to a new year. Am I where I thought I'd be? The the plans that I made, the goals that I had, that I accomplished them. What changed? Um, Am I okay with those changes? And also, where am I going? What what things do I want to accomplish? What are the goals that are down the road? How many of you guys made New Year's resolutions this year? A couple of people. All right. Uh, Everybody else just okay to just stay the same and coast along. Uh, I've, had a, I've had a couple of resolutions. I won't, uh, I won't share them right now. Um, but this is the time of year where we often make these resolutions. And, and we start to think about what are my dreams for my life, for my family, for my job. Uh, when we did Chase the Lion, we, we discussed a few diff- different definitions of faith. Uh, can anybody remember the first one? Faith is a willingness... To look foolish. Ah, that's a few months away. You guys are, <laughs> good job. Faith is a willingness to look foolish. Often when we step out and take risks, you know, it means we're stepping away from the status quo when we're taking the potential risk of looking foolish. Faith is unlearning our fears. We talked about how fears, uh, there's two fears that uh, we learn, that we're born with. The fear of Falling and loud noises. <laughs> Who remembers the third one. Faith is taking the first step before God reveals the second step. And often God doesn't lay out a plan. You know, this is exactly how it's going to go. Often he gives us dreams. He gives, and sometimes those dreams come to fruition. Sometimes those dreams are just a pathway uh, that we're taking until God brings something else into our path. And we end up going a different direction than we thought we were going to go. But faith is taking the first step even when we don't know what the second step is. When God shows us what the next step is, we say, yes, God, uh, not knowing what the next one is. Uh, and fourth, faith being sure of what is, being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. And so as we think about the future, as we look at the past, my mind goes back to my childhood uh, where I spent a lot of time watching Marty McFly and Back to the Future Movies. Anybody into Back to the Future? Um, I love me some Back to the Future. Uh, I watched them lots and lots when I was a kid. And I think a few years ago, I went to watch them with my kids, and I realized how inappropriate they were for my kids. So I had to turn them off. I was like, I don't remember those those moments in the movie. Um, but in Back to the Future 2, in uh, 1985, they they go into the future, into 2015. Uh, so it, it was three years ago for us, but for them, it was a number of years down the road. And i just like to ask the question, what did they get right, what did they get wrong? So they had, uh, in 2015, they thought there would be dogs that would walk themselves. They would have like these, these collars that would just control the dogs and people wouldn't have to walk their own dogs. That's a pretty great idea, but it didn't happen. Um, you know, this is their picture of where, where we thought we would be. Uh, flying cars, the DeLorean. Uh, if you remember in Back to the Future 2, this was not the only flying car, but there's multiple flying cars. Everybody was flying around in their cars. Uh, we're not there yet, although apparently, I was looking on the internet, there are some prototypes for flying cars out there right now, uh, so maybe soon enough. Hoverboards. Oh, man, did I want one of these when I was a kid. Uh, they would just hover across the ground, not touching the ground. and. Uh, and actually, there's been many different types of prototypes that people have tried to make these hoverboards because people were infatuated with this idea. Uh, but there's a problem called gravity, and we still haven't figured that one out. And so hoverboards do not yet exist. Um, although Tony Hawk apparently said that they're, he might be coming out with one. Jaws, 8, Jaws 19. <laughs> Fortunately, Jaws, they ended Jaws at 5. And so we can all be thankful about that. We didn't, they didn't get to 19. Uh, you guys remember this scene, Back to the Future 2, they put like this little pizza in like the oven and they put it on, it's like three seconds, and then they open it up and it's like this hot, and it's like hot and ready, Um, ready to go. Uh, Shoes that laces do themselves up, man, I would love some of those. Um, So Marty McFly had these shoes that he put his his feet in and they just go, shh and they do themselves up. Uh, and you see on the right side, Nike actually came out with a Marty McFly version of that shoe, uh, but they didn't do themselves up. So uh, that was also an inaccurate prediction. Meeting with people over a TV screen? Oh yeah, we hit that one. So they got, they got that one right. So you know, often we, we can look forward, we can imagine the future, and we get to that point in the future, like we're not quite where we thought we would be. Uh, but we might be somewhere better, somewhere different. And Back to the Future One, uh, they go back in time. And uh, and so if you haven't seen Back to the Future One, this is a spoiler alert. Okay, so you had, you had 30 years to watch it, and uh, <laughs> your fault. So Marty McFly goes back to 1955, and Marty encounter his... Counters his own parents. His mom actually develops a crush on him, which is problematic for a number of reasons. <laughs> the main one being that if Marty's mom and dad don't get together in 1955, there's no such thing as Marty McFly. So, as his mom develops this crush on him in 1955, she's a danger of not connecting with Marty's eventual dad, and Marty himself finds himself disappearing in 1955, as the trajectory of the future changes. So George McFly, his future father, and Lorraine Baines are not falling from one another like they ought to. So Marty develops a plan to try and get George and Lorraine to, for Lorraine to stop focusing on Marty and to start focusing on George instead. And so he has this elaborate plan at the Enchantment Under the Sea dance. You guys remember that? And so that's where we pick up the story in the following movie clip. So George McFly looked at that line, uh, that guy that was trying to steal the rain, pushed them over, and as you saw, that decision that he made had huge consequences for what was down the road, and you saw the photo uh, that Marty was looking at there where his siblings uh, were disappearing, and he himself were disappearing uh, because of the potential decision uh, that was happening in that moment. The decisions you make today, and that I make today, and every day, change our future. They change our individual futures. They change our collective futures. They they affect each other. We affect each other. And if you go five years down the road, 10, 20, 30 years down the road, I want you to imagine that you're going to have a conversation with someone. And that someone is you. And what stories will this person tell you? What risks were taken? What legacy was left? What choices did you make in 2018 that changed the reality forever? The choices that you're making today are changing the story that the future you will tell you. They will change the legacy that the future you leaves. And so we want to take some time as we begin 2018 just to reflect and to think uh, Personally, Lord, what are are you calling me to? What are the choices that you are asking me to make, the dreams you're asking me to dream, the risks you're asking me to take that will affect my future, that will affect the future of your kingdom? How do I be a good steward with what you've given me in this time in 2018? And also as 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 a community, as a church, for us to say, you know, God, what do you want us to do in this season? because we recognize the choices we make have trajectory. I want to focus this morning uh, just a little bit on Mark chapter 9. And uh, uh, the words will be on the screen here. And so Peter and James and John are away with Jesus. They come back to the other disciples, and we pick up the story here in Mark 9. It says, When they returned to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd surrounding them, and some teachers of religious law were arguing with them. When the crowd saw Jesus... They were overwhelmed with awe, and they ran to greet him. What is all this arguing about, Jesus asked. One of the men in the crowd spoke up and said, Teacher, I brought my son so you could heal him. He is possessed by an evil spirit that won't let him talk. And whenever the spirit seizes him, it throws him violently to the ground. Then he foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast out the evil spirit, but they couldn't do it. Jesus said to them, You faithless people, how long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought the boy, but when the evil spirit saw Jesus, it threw the child into a violent convulsion, and he fell to the ground, writhing and foaming at the mouth. How long has this been happening? Jesus asked the boy's father. He replied, since he was a little boy, the spirit often throws him into the fire, into water, trying to kill him. Have mercy on us and help us if you can. What do you mean, if I can? Jesus asked. Anything is possible if a person believes. The father instantly cried out, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. I want to pause there in the story. And sometimes when we read scripture, I mean, we can read the words, but we have, we have a hard time understanding uh, the variance in the voice and the tone. Um, so when Jesus says, or when the, when the Father says to him, if you can, and Jesus says, if I can, it's hard to know which word is Jesus accenting. Is he saying, if I can? Like, who are you to question me if? Of course I can, right? That would be an emphasis on the, the word if. Uh, or he could be saying, if I can which would be maybe suggesting that don't ask me the question, maybe you can. And so it's hard to know what exactly is behind that statement. Jesus clearly disappointed that only that not only was there a lack of faith in him, a lack of faith in Jesus, he was disappointed in that, but also that they had a lack of faith in themselves. I think both, both would be accurate, both would be consistent with what we see in Scripture, if I can? Of course I can. I'm the Messiah, I'm God with flesh on. I can do it. I can do anything. But also, if I can, what do you mean if I can? Jesus asked, "Anything is possible if a person believes, do you believe? Jesus is clearly disappointed that there was a lack of faith in him, but also that they lacked faith in themselves. If a person believes, and then the father says to him, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. This is one of my favorite sentences in all of scripture. Why? Because I see myself in this sentence. It's like this marriage of two ideas that often we don't think go together belief and unbelief. And the father in the story recognizes, of course I believe. It's like this absolute statement of course I believe. But I also have unbelief, I'm actually a mixed bag. And the word belief here is the word pistis. Looks like this. I got really neat writing, I know. Um, So, sorry, actually, the the word belief there is actually pistool, but it comes from the, the root word pistis. Do you guys know what pistis means? Faith. So pistis is a noun that means faith. When Jesus says, if you believe, he's using the word pistuo, which is a verb. Ugh, man. It's a verb form of the noun faith. And we translate it as believe. But this creates a little bit of problem in how we think about the word believe when we read it in Scripture because we often think of belief as this empirical type of idea, like this intellectual assent. If I can figure it out, if I, if I believe strong enough, if I you know, if I have the right thinking, then maybe that's what believe means. Whereas when we think about faith, we think about something much different. In fact, faith is more closer to the English word trust than it is to the word believe. And so if we were to kind of enter the Greek language, the word that is being used is actually If faithing were a word in the English language, that's what we would translate. For those who faith, for those who trust, and as soon as we start to think about it in a new way, in that way, we can recognize that Jesus is not inviting the Father to believe the right information, but to trust somebody else more than he trusts himself. Of course I trust you, Jesus, but help me where I don't trust you. Help me in the areas I don't trust you. Do you trust God with your future, with your families, with your career, with your church? And we can say, I do trust, Jesus, I trust you, but I recognize those areas that I'm still not as trusting as I should be. I believe, help my unbelief, faith is measured in degrees of genuineness, not in degrees of certainty. In degrees of genuineness and not in degrees of certainty. And Jesus finds this faith that this Father has adequate. This honest faith. Faith is trusting Jesus more than we trust ourselves. And so the Father, I believe, demonstrates this faith that is willing to look foolish, a faith that's willing to learn and unlearn a faith that is willing to take the first step even before he knows the next step. This faith that is willing to be sure of what it hopes for even when it can't see what the end result will be. And this faith that is about trusting Jesus more than he trusts himself. He's in this place of desperation where he cannot do anything to help his son. And so, of course, he needs to trust Jesus more than he trusts himself. You know, we were skiing this past week um, and one of my one of my boys was just scared of going down a certain part of the hill and uh, and so he's kind of frozen in fear I don't know if you've ever had those moments I've had I've had those moments lots where you get frozen in fear and and so the first time he comes and he doesn't he actually climbs back up the hill and goes a different route because he doesn't want to go down that part because it's too steep and then so the next chair lift up I said we can do it we can go down that part He's like, and he's like, no, no, I don't want to. I don't know if I can. And I, and I asked him this question. I was like, do you trust me? I believe that you can do it. I know you don't believe that you can do it, but I believe you can do it. Do you trust me? Well, yeah. You have to trust me more than you trust yourself. You have to believe in what I think about you more than you believe what you think about yourself. And then so bit by bit, as I, I, just, went, I just went in front of him, And bit by bit, I talked his way all the way down the hill, and we made it down the hill without any wipeouts um, because he was willing to risk and trust what I thought about him more than what he thought about himself. Faith is a willing to trust Jesus more than we trust ourselves. In verse 25, when Jesus saw that the crowd of onlookers was growing, he rebuked the evil spirit. Listen, you spirit, That makes this boy unable to hear and speak. He said, I command you to come out of this child and never enter him again. Then the spirit screamed and threw the boy into another violent convulsion and left him. The boy appeared to be dead. A murmur ran through the crowd as the people said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and helped him to his feet and he stood up. Afterward, when Jesus was alone in the house with his disciples, they asked him, why couldn't we cast out that evil spirit? Jesus replied, this kind can be cast out only by prayers. This kind can be only cast out by praying. And so, if you can reflect on those verses in that story, let me ask you the question When in that story did Jesus pray? Does anybody remember? You weren't paying attention? He didn't, he didn't pray. But Jesus says, this kind can only be cast out through prayer. And when did Jesus pray? He didn't. And it didn't happen because it always happens. I want to unpack that a little bit in a moment. Um, but I, I need, I'm going to ask for a volunteer this morning. Um, I'm going to invite my son on the stage. Luke, come on up. You guys give Luke a hand. I didn't tell you that you are going to talk into the mic, but just what's your name? Luke. Luke, okay. And, and Luke, uh, you hold that for a sec. You, you've been learning, a, uh, you, you learned to dance in school uh, a couple of months ago, right? Getting ready for uh, one of your assemblies? Or just in your, just in gym class, in your dance class, yeah. Um, and why don't you come stand over here, Luke? You now, just tell us the name of the dance. What's the name of the dance? The Floss. The Floss. Okay, can you can you show us really simply what the floss is? Okay. Okay. So that's good. That's good. That's good. Hold on. Hold on. I get carried away. And so I asked Luke if he would come on the stage and teach a couple of people at church how to do the floss. Um, so I'm going to invite a couple more volunteers up here. If you if you don't if you have never done the floss before, this is who I'm looking for. So, so uh, some bold, you got some bold people here. Yeah, Dale, come on up. All right, anybody else? Some take a risk. Take the first step before you know the second step. Jacia, come on up. Yeah. All right, one more person. Let's get three up here. Jake Fluker, you want to do the floss? Jake, 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 Jake. <laughs> someone, someone be like Jesus and take Jake's place. Come on. We'll get one more. Come on. What's that? Lance? Chris King. Chris, come on. Chris, Chris. Yeah. Chris, come on. All right. Oh, Sharon's coming up as well? Yeah. There we go. You got more. Okay, come over here, Luke. Okay. So Luke, I want you I want you to explain, explain to people how the floss works. So you go like this. Hips opposite the hands. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then, the, then you move like that. And yeah. then you switch. Then you switch, yeah. Go to the other side. Yeah. And then keep going over and over good. Okay. Okay. Here we go. You guys got it? Yeah. Try it one more time. Two times. Two times. You go across. Do it again. Yeah. Back. Yeah. The First hand. First time, one hand goes behind. And then next time. Yeah. There we go. Okay. So that's good. We got some, uh, we got some dance music. You're going to do your best floss in a couple seconds. Okay. Ready? Three, two, one. 2 start slow this woman is my destiny There we go All right Gonna go faster 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 All right There we go Okay, let's give our volunteers a hand. Thanks, Luke, for doing that. Thanks, guys. You can even stand up and try it with me if you want. So I'm a terrible dancer. So Luke came home, and he was like, hey, I did Here's the floss. I was like, that looks so easy. I could do that. And I did it, and I couldn't do it. And so I honestly spent my Christmas break learning to floss. And I actually got it down now. It's... It's really hard to get the hips going in the opposite direction. So, so I've, had this, I've had this problem my whole life where I go to weddings and there's a dance or you're somewhere else there's a dance and the music starts and people are like, hey, come out on the dance floor. And the problem is I get out on the dance floor and I got no moves. Like my move my whole life has been this. That's been it. So I said to Luke, I was like, I want to learn the floss because I want to be able to, to bust it out when the music comes on. And now I got one dance move in my repertoire thanks to my son. So, thanks, Luke, for that. So, you've probably been in that situation where the music starts, and as soon as the music starts, you know very clearly which people have dance parties by themselves in their living room and which people do not. Right? You guys understand what I'm saying? Like, there's people that you wouldn't even know that the music hits, and they start busting out all these moves, and you're like, oh, I had no idea that you were that. You know, how do they do that? Well, it's obviously because they've been dancing by themselves for a long time when nobody's looking. But in the, mu- in the moment where it goes to this public setting, they're able to bust it out because of what they've practiced in their living room. And so now, because I've been really disciplined in my flossing practice over the last couple of weeks... I truly believe that when the moment arrives, thanks to Luke and his training and his teaching, that I will be able to floss uh, when the music hits. And so my my hope and my prayer for those volunteers are up there. You keep practicing, keep working at it when, you know, in the privacy of your own home, and you too uh, will be able to do it one day. There's a moment... There always comes moments in our lives where what we're doing in private becomes, there becomes consequences in public. When we need to act in a certain way and we're unable to act, or we are able to act depending on the life of discipline that we're living behind the scenes when nobody else is looking. Jesus in the story in Mark 9 says, this kind only comes out through prayer. And yet in the story, we see that at no point in that entire story did Jesus pray. Why? Because Jesus lived a life in a discipline of prayer. And so when the moment came up where he faced a line, where he faced an opportunity, where he faced the the time where he needed to respond, he was able to respond because of the discipline that he lived, lived with in his private life. And I believe that 2018 is a year where there are going to be moments for you as an individual and us as a community to respond to what God is calling us to do. And the question is going to be, what are you doing in the privacy of your life that is preparing you for the moment that God's going to put before you? Looking ahead to 2018, we know, and it's already been mentioned a couple of times this morning, that there's big rocks that are moving, that are shifting, that are changing. And we don't know exactly what the future is going to look like. You know, LT and staff have kind of put some ideas out there, but we're still waiting on the Lord and asking Him, God, what what do you want us to do this year? And we're inviting the entire community into this because this is not a decision of a select few, but it's a decision of the the church as a whole. I want to highlight just a couple of things. Uh, Sam and Dar Ramirez um, have been... Working alongside some ministries at Sunrise for a long time, Samandar, are you guys here this morning? I won't ask you to come to stage just to give a wave. There, there they are there. Um, and I love Samandar, and they've been um, they've been running a Friday night group for a long time in Mindapoor, um, and we've been chatting with them about the potential of heading up a multicultural ministry in our Chase the Line series back in. Uh, in September, October, if you remember, I talked about the New Jerusalem, that the Bible gives this picture of a New Jerusalem where people of every tribe, tongue, and nation are actually together worshiping God together, that the differences of language and ethnicity does not separate but brings them together. And, we, and I have felt that we as Sun West, not that we can have every tribe, tongue, and nation here, but we at least ought to be representing the community in which we worship in. And the reality is that we, we don't do that very well. And so I've been in conversation with Sam and Dar for the last few months. Um, and even before that, God was, you know, putting dreams on their heart and other people's hearts. And, and some things are coming together that I just wanted to highlight for you. Uh, this week, uh, they will be launching uh, ESL Ministry in partnership with SunWest. Um, and so in, our, in the community of Minneapolis, Uh, trying to teach English as a second language to those who want to learn English. And this is just a great opportunity, great bridge-building opportunity. Um, And we'll highlight in coming weeks what this might mean for us, what that might look like. We're also exploring with them uh, what it might look like to do translation ministry on a Sunday morning. Uh, And there's technology out there uh, that is available to us to allow... Uh, we, I think we would start with Spanish because Sam is Spanish and that's a good place for us to start. Uh, and we do have connections uh, with Spanish families and we have, uh, we have a heart for Latino culture because, uh, because of our missions in Mexico and El Salvador. And so we thought this was a good place for us to start and we can figure out systems to kind of do translation and multi gatherings together. And if we can kind of figure out the system, then maybe we could do more languages and we could further represent this idea of the New Jerusalem, be a suburb of the New Jerusalem here in South Calgary. So we're really excited about that. Uh, so thank you, Sam and Dar, for just continuing to lean into what God has for you. And, uh, and we're leaning in with you. Uh, as Charlotte mentioned, we're in the late stages of negotiation, negotiation of, a, uh, of a building in Mindapore. And, uh, and there's conditions, there's multiple conditions on our end. Uh, the most important one being that of a covenant community vote, which uh, Charlotte mentioned, but there will be more information coming about that, about that in the coming weeks as we work on the conditions that the, other, that the seller has on their side. And our hope is um, just to be a good steward of what lies before us. SunWest has never owned a building it's never been our plan to own a building. It's never been the point. And in the same way, the point right now is not to own a building. But the question is, God, what do you have for us? And does owning a facility actually allow us to do the mission that you have for us better? Does a place of permanence in a community allow us to impact the community better? Does it allow us to equip and release people into ministry better? that does allow us to create a multiplying movement where we're discipling people and individuals and planting churches and small groups, does having a permanent facility allow us to do that better? Does it allow us to engage people that don't know Jesus better? And so we're inviting you as a community to engage with us in prayer on this. In the fall series, I talked about this 2 million pound line and people... uh, that confused a whole bunch of people. Like, what does that mean? Uh, and I didn't explain it very well. Uh, but there was a two million dollar price point uh, between uh, what we could afford and what was being asked. Um, over the last few months, I've I've been praying and and fasting daily, and we've been inviting uh, we've been inviting uh, you as the community to continue to pray with us. And thank you for doing that. Uh, part of the exciting thing is that that God is really just taken away that gap. And there's some, uh, yeah, we're thankful and we're excited about what the potential opportunity could be. But as Charlotte mentioned, we're not wanting to do anything unless the Lord's in it. And so um, I'm going to talk about what that means uh, in a few minutes. As well, there's uh, structural decisions with our campuses that the leadership team has put forward. Decisions on campus, relationships, uh, on moving to autonomous uh, structure, and, and the need for us to pray and consider that, and ultimately to make decisions on that in the coming months. Uh, and obviously, there's, there's corresponding structural and financial imp- implications of those realities, and we're exploring those as a leadership team and as a pastoral staff right now, and, and just really ask that you would seek the Lord with us on what God uh, has for us and where he's leading us in that regard. And so that said, the, we wanted to begin 2018 with a focus on prayer and fasting, because as we read in the story, I believe that prayer is, the, is that foundation, there, there's no magic pill. There's no, uh, you know, what's, what's crazy in Mark 9 is that Jesus, it's not like there's the strategy or this thing, you know, if you do this and do this, you're going to be able to cast a demon out of this kid. It's like, no, Jesus lived the lifestyle of prayer. And he says, if you have a lifestyle of prayer, then I I believe that if we have a lifestyle of prayer, that we will know uh, what God wants us to do when the moment comes. When the music plays, we'll, we'll have something in our back pocket. That the Lord is going to bring unity as we come together in praying for his kingdom to come in South Calgary, for the future of Sun West and what God has for us in both the McKenzie campus. And so next week, we want to start a series called Airplane Mode, disconnecting from the noise in our world and trying to connect with God, fasting and praying for 21 days. Uh, and so uh, on Sunday, we'll start Airplane Mode, and then on Monday, we're going to invite you as a community to, to begin fasting and praying, all of us together. On these items and other items that the Lord might be saying, and as, as Charlotte mentioned, as, as you sense and you feel like, hey, I, I feel like God's laying this on my heart or I have these questions, uh, the, the LT is just made an open door uh, that they want to hear from you because we want to hear from the collective community about what God is stirring up among us. What are the dreams? Uh, What are the questions? How do we move forward together? Also, I I also want to mention that at 9.15 on Sunday mornings in this this theater, we gathered to pray. And I think it would be amazing over those three Sundays that the 21 days of prayer and fasting are happening is that all of you would come and pray with us at 9.15. Uh it's, it's, it's uh, usually a group of 20 to 30 volunteers that are here that we, we pray together. Um, but it's not exclusive to those volunteers that are on that Sunday. I think it's open, and we'd love for it to be open to the entire church community. So would you consider, over the next few weeks, coming at 9.15, so we could corporately, not just individually in our homes, that's important, but corporately come together uh, in those three Sundays to pray together. Can everybody say 9.15? 9:15. Don't come at 9.16, because then you're going to... You're going to miss out. There's going to be people praying already. So come even at 9.10 to be ready for that 9.15 moment. And we just want to come together and pray. Because we want to follow Jesus. And we have, we have hunches and feelings and and guesses about what God might be doing, what dreams he's putting on our hearts, what risks he's asking us to take. But at the end of the day, like the father in the story, faith is trusting Jesus more than we trust ourselves. So LT, our pastoral staff, you as a church community, can we come together and say, Jesus, we trust you more than we trust ourselves. What do you have for us in 2018? I'm going to invite the band onto stage, and I'm going to invite you to stand with me. We weren't planning on doing this one as a closing song, um, but I just felt like when Randall introduced to it, he, he was just he was introducing very well the heart of this morning. That Jesus, we don't want to go anywhere without you. In fact, we want you more than we want anything. And the point isn't new initiatives or structures or buildings or facilities. Like all of that uh, can just fade away because the point is actually to follow you on mission, in intimacy. And we want to be good stewards of what it is that you're laying before us. So as I pray, um, I'm just going to invite you to lift your hands again, uh, as we did earlier. Um, Just as a posture like this, just a saying. Jesus, we release our own desires and agendas. And even as we think about fasting, what is fasting? Fasting is giving up something that we desire, a hunger that we have, a thirst that we have. Um as a way of saying, Jesus, I thirst and hunger for you more than I do these things. And so we release those things to you, God. Uh, and we, it's also an open posture to receive what God has for us. So God, we thank you for your faithfulness, for your grace. And Lord, we know that we don't get it perfect. But Lord, we thank you that this, this idea of faith and trust is not an not idea of certainty. It's not an idea of having it perfect and all figured out, but a posture of trust. And so, Jesus, we just say we're sorry. We're sorry for when we don't operate in trust. Trust of you, trust of each other. And, Lord, we release that to you. Um, And we ask that you would fill us with trust. Lord, that you would reveal to us as a church, to our leaders, Uh, where it is that you are leading and guiding us. Because SunWest was planted over 20 years ago with a dream to reach people that do not know you and to transform South Calgary and beyond. And Lord, whatever means you have of doing that in us and through us, we just want to say yes to that. Yes, Jesus. We pray this in your name. Amen.